Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with Christmas still fresh in our minds, I'd like to begin by describing a situation that might be rather familiar. Imagine that you are sat at a table with a jigsaw puzzle spread out in front of you. So far, so good. All the pieces are there, or are they? How do you put the pieces together if you don't have the big picture? And I'd like to suggest that we face the same situation regarding digital skills in the UK. We can see a lot of the pieces, but the big picture is harder to ascertain. Some of you, as now you will have heard, know that my theme is shaping tomorrow's city today. And my team and I will spend the year highlighting initiatives and activities currently taking place. But we'll also look at developing new initiatives and activities to close the skills gap. The point is to shape the future rather than have the future shape us. So over the year, we will use tomorrow, Shaping Tomorrow's City today to promote innovation and technology that is helping our economy to thrive, to champion digital skills vital to our future, uh, and address digital and social inclusion, working towards opportunities for all. And this evening's lecture will focus particularly on the latter two of these, championing the digital skills that I believe we all need to live and work in the 21st century. The digital skill set that is a critical enabler for a thriving economy. Skills that are essential for an inclusive society and skills that will allow us all to make the most of the digital era. Now, the arrival of the digital era is widely regarded as the fourth industrial revolution. Britain pioneered the first industrial revolution, and the fourth now presents us with an opportunity to lead the world again. However, brave and bold action will be required to ensure that it is indeed an opportunity rather than a crisis. So to set the scene for this lecture, I'd like to begin by taking us back to the industrial revolutions of the 18th and 19th centuries. Then we'll look at the situation today, particularly the 2016 House of Commons and Science and Technology Committee's report titled The Digital Skills Crisis. And in the second half of the lecture, I'll touch on some of the initiatives that are addressing this crisis and explore what additional measures we can take to fully leverage the opportunities of the digital era. And at the end, we'll have a Q&A. So in the late 18th century, the UK was the birthplace of the first industrial revolution. Now, people often joke that I talk a lot of hot air. Yes, be quiet. Um, but maybe I do. But let's not forget the importance of hot air. For it was hot air, or more precisely steam, that paved the way for the first industrial revolution. This was a revolution of steam power, machinery, and factories, the arrival of modern methods of production, and the migration from manual forms of manufacturing to machine-led automation. Textiles were the dominant industry, and workers needed physical skills, basic mechanical engineering skills, to handle increasingly powerful machinery. And among the major developments of that time, automation led to industrial-scale printing. And as a result, 
the world of publishing flourished, books, newspapers, pamphlets, coinciding with the significant increases in literacy levels. And by the end of the 19th century, manufacturing processes had become more refined, more efficient. And what followed was the second industrial revolution, when better engineering and automation released workers' bodies, requiring instead their minds to man manage processes now at scale. And the mass manufacture of steel, for example, following the invention of the Bessemer process at Ironbridge, the greater use of both chemicals and electricity led to significant industrial growth. Indeed, while the Industrial Revolution started in England, its impact and exponential growth in GDP per capita across most continents, but most notably in Europe and then later in the US. So the 19th century also saw a massive increase in population. England's population nearly quadrupled within a century from 8.3 million in 1801 to 30.5 million in 1901. And educating this increased population became a pri priority to provide educated labor, to prevent civil unrest, and to raise living standards. So in 1870, the Elementary Education Act was introduced, the first of a series of acts over 30 years, to bring about compulsory education in this country, first at primary school level, and then later at the turn of the 20th century at secondary school. Now, policymakers knew that a national education system was needed to produce knowledge workers for the new economy. Academic success gradually became the hallmark and by and large a precondition to successful careers. And early in the 20th century, a German psychologist, William Stern, recognized the importance of knowledge and cognitive skills and developed the concept of IQ. Stern proposed IQ, or as we often refer to it as intelligence quotient, as a measure and comparator of human intelligence. And this became an educational framework that was used extensively throughout the 20th century. Now, as the century progressed, economic growth in the UK was underpinned by the development of financial markets to facilitate the industrial growth. Strong legal, professional, and cultural foundations enabled entrepreneurs to flourish and a consumer society to develop. And as such, the UK shifted towards a service-based economy. And by the 1960s, the UK was experiencing its third industrial revolution. This was the computing revolution. And the confluence of these two developments, that is the proliferation of powerful computers and the shift to a service-based economy, meant, again, a different skill set was required in the workplace. Work involved increasingly nuanced personal interactions, more complex processes and negotiations, often with more sophisticated national and international organizations. Skills like communication, empathy, and leadership grew in prominence. These soft skills were not so much quantitative intelligence, but more social intelligence. And in 1964, Michael Beldock of Cornell University published a paper about a new concept, EQ, or the emotional quotient. But the concept wasn't popularized until nearly 30 years later, until 1995, when the science journalist Daniel Goleman wrote about the impact these soft skills 
was increasingly having on business performance. Goldman concluded that emotional and social skills like empathy, listening, influencing, and leadership were twice as effective in business performance than IQ alone. EQ did for soft skills what IQ did for knowledge and cognitive skills. It provided a framework and a focus around which new education and training programs could be developed. So now let's turn to the 21st century. We are, without doubt, in my mind, in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. The boundary lines between different industries are becoming blurred, just as the physical, biological, and digital world in which we live is fusing together. The economy, and indeed life in general, are rapidly advancing towards a world of AI, big data, quantum computing, nanotechnology, the Internet of Things, and many other technological advancements. And much of our day-to-day -day lives are now spent online, from shopping to news, from health services to entertainment. Digital has become the new norm. The UN Agency for Internet and Communications Technology has calculated that more than half of the world's population is now online. And they also estimate that this is likely to increase significantly over the next 10 years, bringing disruption and risk, but also opportunity to everything that we have inherited in the pre-digital age. Now, I'm sure you will have all seen the newspaper reports about how automation will take away jobs. I certainly took note when I saw my profession, my first profession, accountancy, near the top of the list of jobs to go. And similar worries existed in the 1800s. The Luddites sought to destroy manufacturing plants for fear of job losses. An understandable fear, but it proved otherwise. Over the past 200 years, automation, I think we would all agree, has skyrocketed. And yet today, the UK is close to full employment with a working population that has grown nearly 12-fold over that same period. So perhaps we should actually be listening to those who predict that AI and augmented reality and other digital innovations will, in fact, create new jobs. Of course, what type of jobs will these be? What, what skills will they require? Skills that complement our physical, cognitive, and soft skills. And yes, I'm talking about digital skills. And last year, the government, in its digital strategy, reported that at least 90% of all jobs in the next 20 years will require digital skills. Personally, I think it will come much faster. But perhaps more importantly, I believe we will all need these digital skills outside of work too. Wealth is becoming less and less the sole measure of economic development. Instead, economic security, health, and happiness, although more difficult to measure, are becoming more important barometers of societal progress. So we'll need the skills to keep us engaged, happy, and healthy in a world that is becoming increasingly digital day by day. Now, let me give you an example of our relationship uh, with, uh, or an example of how uh, this is occurring. Our relationship with knowledge has already changed. When I was young, admittedly way back in the last century, um, 
I was taught to memorize information as well as develop uh, an understanding of it. And in doing so, I developed my cognitive skills. And if I wanted to find something out, initially I would ask and then later perhaps read uh, from a book, accessed from a library, uh, assuming they had it or it wasn't out on loan. But these days, if we want to find something out, we'll probably all go to Google from our smartphones or tablets. In fact, the challenge now is that there is potentially too much information. So these days, the skill is in accessing data, triangulating sources, and discerning knowledge. Andreas Schleicher, the director of education at the OECD, has said that anything not built for the network age is falling apart. Now, whether he meant our libraries, I'm not sure. But as we move further into the digital age, the evidence is building that we need to develop an appropriate set of digital skills. So in the summer of 2016, the Science and Technology Committee of the House of Commons published a report on the UK's digital skills readiness, building on the earlier work of the Shadbolt and Wakeham reviews. This new report made stark reading. Even its opening sentence gave cause for concern, and I quote, the evidence is clear that the UK faces a digital skills crisis. What evidence were they talking about? Well, they were looking at the 12.6 million adults in this country, that's 23% of our population, who lack basic digital skills, like finding information online, completing digital forms, or sending a message through a device. They were looking at 5.8 million adults in the UK, 9% of our population, who have never even used the internet. And in most cases, because they didn't know how, not that they did not have access. And the committee was also looking at schools without hardware, the teachers without qualifications, the jobs without skilled applicants, and the cost to our economy at £63 billion per year in lost GDP, 8% of government spending. So arguably the committee was right. The evidence is clear. And it's widespread too. McKinsey, Accenture, Nesta, and London First have all drawn attention to the digital skills shortages in the jobs market. The government's white paper on the UK industrial strategy, which has now been fully published, has highlighted the limited take-up and application of technology in businesses, particularly many SMEs. And meanwhile, last year's charity digital skills report revealed that 45% of charities, so nearly 450,000 charities, don't yet have a digital strategy to manage and, uh, and look at how they will address technology. So on the face of it then, we really are experiencing a digital skills crisis. However, it is often said that every crisis presents an opportunity. Every cloud has a silver lining. And in this case, we're presented with an opportunity for the UK to do what the UK does best, innovate. The report on the digital skills crisis clearly articulated the scale of the challenge, but it also indicated the urgency. After all, the pace of change today is considerably faster than the pace of change in the 18th and 19th centuries. And I expect we would all agree it's probably likely to accelerate. So what is being done? 
The report recognized that actions had been taken and were being taken to develop more digitally skilled workforce here in the UK with a focus on the need to broaden our education system. For example, computing has been introduced into the national curriculum. There's been a drive for more technical apprenticeships uh, and digital skills colleges have been launched. However, the report also warned, and I quote that, only urgent action from industry, schools, universities, and from government can prevent this skills crisis from damaging productivity and economic competitiveness. And until a few months ago, the Tech Partnership drew together a comprehensive program of digital skills initiatives aimed largely at those in education and not yet in work. The Tech Partnership, however, has now been disbanded and its programs have been passed over to separate organizations to continue with their delivery. And one of those actions was the publication of a guide to essential digital skills, a document that sets out the five basic skills identified by the Department of Education in collaboration with a number of businesses and educational organizations. Now, underpinned by what the guide calls digital foundation skills, the five basic skill sets are communicating, handling information content, transacting, problem solving, and being safe and legal online. However, the digital or the essential digital skills publication, useful though you might think that is, does not offer a comprehensive framework that can guide and advise us on how to develop those skills and access capacity. The tech partnership and organizations behind the Essential Digital Skills Report were not alone in trying to address the issue and challenge that I'm talking about. London First, a business membership organization, highlighted these same issues uh, in their recent Employment and Skills Action Plan. Now, meanwhile, there is already a wide array of training materials and programs in digital skills. Many businesses run MOOCs or massive online open courses. Barclays, my own organization, for example, runs Life Skills, a set of online tools and training courses for young people, parents, educators, and businesses, helping to prepare young people for the modern workplace. So Life Skills, to date, has more than 6 million users, so a major player. But local authorities run similar schemes, often through partnerships with training providers like ADA, the new National College for Digital Skills based in Tottenham. And charities too are involved. Enabling Enterprise is just one example of an online skills builder. The problem is these initiatives are fragmented. Like I said at the start of the lecture, it is as if we have most of the jigsaw pieces, but we have no sense of the picture we're trying to build. Just as we had IQ and DQ in the 19th and 20th centuries, now, in the 21st century, we need a new framework for a far more comprehensive program of education and skills development. What we need is a framework that sets out the need for these skills, clearly defines them, and then guides people to where they can go to develop them. Furthermore, there has so far been an emphasis, particularly in the Digital Skills Report, on those who are not yet in work. 
Now, whilst that is economically the right priority, or you may not agree with that, but let's suggest it is, the report didn't consider those already in work or those who have left work. There is a tacit assumption that those currently in work will be helped by their employers as part of workplace investment in training and development. Yet the accelerated pace of change across the world and the fact that more and more basic services are being digitized make it critical that we need to consider the needs of everyone in and out of work. With nearly 20% of the UK's population over 65, estimated to rise to 25% in the next 20 odd years, there is a need to ensure that all people, and I will be one of them fairly soon, are able to access appropriate skills and workshops. Again, business in some sectors have done some work uh, in this area. Barclays Digital Eagles programs work through their branches to uh, gain or help customers uh, with confidence building um, uh, and effectively to get to use technology uh, in a safe environment. But whatever framework we eventually adopt, as the best to equip the UK population with the skills required for the digital economy, surely it must be a lifelong system accessible to everyone. And as I like to say, Every one of us needs a regular skills MOT to remain a fully engaged citizen in the digital age. Now, the situation here is not unique to the UK. It's a global challenge. Back in the summer of 2016, as the digital skills crisis report was being published here in the UK, Dr. Yo-Yung Park presented to the World Economic Forum two papers on the need for universal digital skills. And Dr. Park pointed out that there is already an abundance of initiatives to develop digital competency, particular, particularly at specialist levels, like digital creativity and entrepreneurship. However, basic digital skills, or what Dr. Park called digital citizenship, receive less attention. Now, many young people are digital natives, they use technology very differently to adults, a situation that itself creates a digital skills gap. And through extensive international research, Dr. Park found that 56% of the world's 8 to 12-year-olds are exposed to cyber risks, like cyberbullying, video game addiction, offline meetings, and online sexual uh, encounters. And I'm sure that any parents or grandparents in this room will recognize the sense of dread on contemplating the threats from predators lurking online. And on top of the issues around protection and security, there are questions around safeguarding and mental health. This means that the digital skills debate has a qualitative aspect too. After all, no matter what the role of AI plays in our lives, surely our world remains a human one. Now, IQ and EQ are still important. We require knowledge and skills, and they need to be complemented by values. Values that will ensure the digital age works for us and not the other way around. So we need a what, a how, and a why. We need a framework that can equip people with the knowledge, skills, and values of the digital age, a framework that encourages 
adaptability, and lifelong learning, a framework that allows individuals to position themselves within a knowledge, skills, values triangle and to pursue careers that suit them. Now, I'm a great believer in non-traditional career pathways, particularly our apprenticeships. And after all, the city and its livery companies were founded on the practice of training apprentices and ensuring high standards. Uh, it, is how, it is maintaining that type of environment that I think is important. A more multifaceted understanding of digital skills will, I believe, provide momentum to UK apprenticeship programmes and other non-traditional career paths. But turning back to Dr. Park, following the publication of her papers on the digital skills gap, Park went on to introduce the concept of DQ, or digital quotient. In the same way as Stern and Beldock introduced IQ and EQ respectively, Park has made the case for DQ to be understood as a framework representing the sum of social, emotional, and cognitive abilities that enable individuals to meet the challenges of digital life and adapt accordingly. DQ was developed through analyzing more than 20 of the existing global approaches to digital skills according to three requirements. Digital citizenship, providing a basic but necessary understanding in the use of digital technology in ways that are safe and responsible, applicable to all of us. Digital creativity, the ability to become part of the digital ecosystem to create content and turn ideas into reality. And digital entrepreneurship, going even further, gaining the ability to use digital technology to solve global challenges and create new opportunities. Now, on digital citizenship, Park identified eight areas in which we all should be digital citizens to be and be competent in these areas. Digital identity, our own manifestation, digital use, uh, our safety, our security, our emotional, digital emotional engagement or in intelligence, communication, literacy, uh, and rights. Now, I've summarized that here in the chart. Um, but underneath each of those eight quadrants or eight, eight segments are three further subsets of skills. Uh, and if you want more detail on, on each of those, uh, go to uh, the DQ website. But these same eight areas were subsequently referenced by the Department of Business, Energy and in Industrial Strategy in their Made Smarter report in 2017. So it's interesting to note that Bayes publishes uh, a set of skills like this, whereas the Department of Education publishes its own set of five uh, uh, digital skills. So again, we do not have clarity uh, in terms of, of where that's coming from, from government at this stage. But looking at the concept uh, and looking at what DQ provides as a universal standard from which a more comprehensive understanding of the need for digital skills can be developed. And to me, I think this allows us to build on existing initiatives, and set out the actions we need to take to move forward. So as a framework, DQ provides a basis for measurement and comparison in the same way as IQ has been used up until now. I mentioned briefly the importance of the digital citizenship to young people's safety. Park and her team at the DQ Institute have demonstrated a relationship between a child's DQ score and their online safety. 
as a child's DQ score increases, so their risk of sharing personal data uh, and cyberbullying decreases. The DQ Institute has already been working with the World Economic Forum and the OECD and the Institute of Electrical uh, and Electronics Engineers to share DQ around the world. But they and I believe that digital skills must be much more fundamental, much, much more becoming a universal human right. And I also mentioned the relationship between IQ and EQ and the various stages of the Industrial Revolution. But why did the Industrial Revolution begin in Britain rather than in another industrial advanced country? Historians have suggested that it related to Britain's status as then the world's leading commercial hub and its position within a politically diverse Europe. And I'm not going to Brexit. Many different ideas were able to develop in parallel within a marketplace of ideas. And I think what this tells us about the fourth industrial revolution is that collaboration and exchange of ideas are once again crucial if we are to ensure that every citizen is to be given the opportunity to develop the skills needed for the digital era. As both the Digital Skills Crisis Report and London First's Skills Action Plan have recommended, industry, communities, educators and government must come together to innovate at scale. Britain's historical role through the Industrial Revolution has set the precedent for how this can be done. Now it's time for us to come together again, but this time towards the digital revolution. Now, as I've said, there are already many digital initiatives and programs scattered across the public, private, and charity sectors. Millions have in, been invested and continue to be invested in digital skills around the world. But the question must now, we must now ask ourselves is how do we coordinate these efforts? There is also the question around how we make sure that digital skills are developed for everyone and that we don't exacerbate inequality. The needs of our younger generation, the digital natives, will be different from those of the older generations. While the principles are the same, the application will be different. As the speed of progress accelerates, we need to ensure that digital literacy keeps pace. As the science fiction writer William Gibson has said, the future is here, it is just not evenly distributed. The most exciting opportunity, in my opinion, is the emergence of the Coalition for Digital Intelligence. Though still at an embryonic stage, the Coalition seeks to provide a platform for organizations to coordinate their efforts to set global standards and share understanding for the advancement of digital intelligence. And in the UK, this could be the next generation of the tech partnership, making the most of the digital skills opportunity and facilitating collaboration between industry, educators, charities, and government. And over the next few months, as part of my mayoral program, we will look to garner support for a UK coalition for digital intelligence. And this will have the following aims, to help organizations advance their digital intelligence, to promote a common understanding of digital literacy and skills, 
to define and disseminate best practice as well as usable metrics and to highlight sources of funding and capacity. And this was one of the key actions that emerged from a digital skills summit held at the Mansion House uh, last November. We welcomed 300 representatives from businesses, social enterprises, charities, and local government to discuss the digital challenges that they face and the opportunities for partnership. It was really quite inspiring uh, and a fantastic productive day. And in my view, another step towards uh, growing levels of collaboration. And for me, the Coalition for Digital Intelligence is just one of the ways that we are looking to embed digital skills across the diverse activities of the City of London Corporation. As many of you may know, the corporation represents the square mile and by extension, the UK's financial and professional services sector. In addition, as a local authority, the corporation in its statutory responsibility uh, for, for the City of London Police, for schools uh, and academies, for open spaces, including Epping Forest and Hampstead, and cultural institutions like the Barbican. And that breadth of responsibility gives us a lot of opportunities for partnerships through which we can promote digital skills. One example is the curriculum pilot running with 165 students in Year 7 at the City of London Academy, Islington. Those students are engaging with formal and informal learning activities to develop their digital skills. And we recognize that to be innovative and inspiring, our, skills, our schools' apologies, need to be research-led. They need to take risks in piloting new, original, and collaborative approaches. And so we want to develop the behaviors and skills that employers want and which will prepare these young people for digital life. And if it's successful, that pilot will be rolled out to the City of London Academy Highbury Grove next year. Another example relates to technological innovations and applications. In the corporation, we've been working on various work readiness schemes, exploring the role of digital apps like WorkFinder and Placer in supporting young people from all social and economic backgrounds to access meaningful work experience. These technologies match work experience opportunities with those seeking, uh, seeking them, uh, sort of a UCAS system uh, for work experience, if you like. And all of these activities are grouped under the corporation's own digital skills strategy, which was launched late last year. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you agree, you may not, but I hope you agree that there is clear need for us all to embrace digital skills. I hope to have convinced you that we are not facing a crisis, but an opportunity and an opportunity to shape the future. A fundamentally different skill set is needed for us to cope with and thrive in today's digital landscape. This skill set extends from basic digital citizenship skills, like accessing the internet, sending a message, or buying something online to more advanced creative skills like using augmented reality or entrepreneurial capabilities through AI and quantum computing. Technical skills will need to be complemented by practical and social skills to avoid cyberbullying and to address the mental health issues that are arguably increasingly associated with an always-on digital culture. Similarly, our focus must not be limited to those not yet in work 
the digital natives, but must include those in work and those retired from work. We'll need to address the growing skills, digital skills gap, and achieve pan-generational digital inclusion. And finally, success will require greater collaboration, idea sharing and innovation. The same principles that catalyzed the first industrial revolution. And I believe that our next step must be to bring about a UK coalition for digital intelligence. So before we move to Q&A, one final question to put to you all. Are you DQ? Thank you. My Lord Mayor, uh, Sheriffs, fellow Aldermen, Masters, distinguished guests, I felt we were just getting started. Uh, but my job on behalf of the Provost, the Council, the Gresham team and our sponsors, the Mercers and the City of London Corporation, is to bring things to a close with a vote of thanks for this, our 10th Lord Mayor's annual lecture. As the Provost said, uh, tonight's event is a highlight in our college's annual calendar. Our president, the Right Honorable the Lord Mayor, has an intellectual event of his or her own choosing. Peter has long been a champion of the city's global competitiveness, pointing out the supply and demand imbalances we need to fix, shaping tomorrow's city. City employers already report severe shortages in digital skills and stress their need for a workforce with the necessary soft skills to operate in a digital work environment. Digital itself is increasing rapidly in complexity, as we noted in the lecture, with new jobs in data visualization, AI, smart ledgers, and these other ICT skills are merging with engineering on drones and pipelines, with traders on generalized autoregressive conditional heterostatic modeling, <laughs> or with deep physics on things like quantum effects and uh, deep earth sensing. So it's an exciting area, and I was interested in some of the comments uh, from the audience today about how do we make it fun? Uh, and there are some initiatives out there. Uh, I have long been, and I know many of you are supporters of the Raspberry Pi movement, um, but we have things like the 42 Institute in Paris. People are working to use the technology itself to teach the technology. And the city has been here before. We had a skills crisis, uh, which led to the medieval livery craft movement. Uh, we had a skills crisis in the 19th century, which led to, as the Lord Mayor noted, uh, the creation of city and guilds uh, to handle the, the gap in uh, manufacturing skills. So we need to shape infrastructure, energy, trade, regulation, and many other bottlenecks. But our chief bottleneck will always be training tomorrow's workforce today. On soft skills, one delightful research project is at UCL, working with Manila University. They're even exploring how online jokes improve digital, <laughs> digital literacy and learning. It's true. It's, what a great project. Uh, and of course, the digital skill we all seek, we touched on in the questions. And it's in this old computer poem, uh, which was shared with me by Gresham regular Bill Joseph. Uh, the skill we really need. I really hate this damn machine. I surely wish they'd sell it. It never does the things I want, just only what I tell it. <laughs> so tonight, should we also ask, 
are you GQ? Uh, no, I don't mean are you ready for gentlemen's quarterly. Elizabeth certainly doesn't think I ever am. Uh, I meant are you Gresham qualified? <laughs> Gresham College has been about digital skills since the time of abacuses, or given our requirement to deliver our lectures in Latin strictly, uh, perhaps that should be abacai. Uh, our first pr professor of geometry, Henry Briggs, made an enormous contribution to the popularization of digital skills with Napier's bones, uh, better known today as logarithms. And our college exemplifies four centuries of our city's technology. And it was, will soon be, in fact, the starting point for the Science Museum's new permanent exhibit opening this autumn, London, the Science City, which will begin with Gresham. And from Gresham's interest in the Tudor New Learning, the Gresham College Group of the 1640s became the Royal Society, Robert Hooke, Christopher Wren, and on to the Industrial Revolution, genetics, and even FinTech. Gresham College has been at least as much about interdisciplinary science and technology as it has been about trade and finance or music and religion. Now our Tudor University shapes tomorrow's city today, being the first higher institute to provide fully open source content in the late 1990s. We have, as the province noted, over 2,000 recorded lectures by the finest minds, an unrivaled global treasure trove. Lord Mayor, tonight you increased Gresham's treasure trove. You rightly focus us all, educators, policymakers, regulators, politicians, and businesses, on the urgency and opportunity in building our widest digital skills. Supply and demand imbalance is a challenge the city is uniquely capable of addressing. You know, Lord Mayor, you may have started off uh, with a lot of hot air, as you said, but you ended on some cold steel. And I think your theme, our Lord Mayor's theme, demands our attention. And for this tonight, we thank you.